Welcome to the Inventory Professional Podcast, brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar on unlocking the secrets to mold-free properties with Sean and Michaela. So what we thought today was we would talk about mold. It's very much in everybody's mind, and especially because of where we're coming from in regards to the weather and the fact that we're going into autumn, winter. So today's webinar is going to be about looking at the underlying causes, complexities, and statistics around mold. We're not going into great deep dive, just um, highlight a few things. Looking at the strategies and how to we uh, can approach mold prevention, also highlight the importance of property visits. I mean, we've got to capture evidence, especially now that the government is looking at us in, as an industry much more closely. And then how we can build that compliance element, how we can actually utilize the tools, the features and the available uh, software we've got in order to be able to help you do that. Some practical strategies from Makeda about educating tenants on mold growth, because at the end of the day, if they understand it, they know how to deal with it, then they're better prepared. Uh, significance of landlords of yearly build inspections, again, it's something Makeda does on a regular basis. Um, pitfall to redecoration. Um, it's a big, again, topic of conversation. And Michaela is going to be talking about how to navigate them effectively. And some top tips from Michaela, again, in order to get your property ready for winter. So um, to start, let's look at some statistics. Uh, statistics. Um, children residing in Moldy, excessively cold private rentals, um, 1.6 million, and that's from citizens' advice. And over um, half of England's private rentals uh, or renters have had or are currently battling these problems. That's 2.7 million households that are dealing with this. But we've got the capacity to change this. And as I said um, at the beginning, you know, with winter fast approaching, heating costs are going to rise. They are going to be capped, but they're still going to be quite high. And certainly from an agent's point of view and also a supplier's point of view, supporting agents, we need to support landlords and get them ready to face the challenges that are definitely going to be ahead. So a lot of this is actually born out from government guidance and it's about the fact that they've had to uh, issue the guidance in regards to addressing the health and risk of damp and mould in the home. Now, this has been recently published, as you can see here on a slide. It was published on the 7th of September. Um, and I've just kind of like just done a brief overview of it. And basically what it is, is about the um, through the Roof Renters, uh, Renters Reform Bill, the Social Housing Regulation Act and the legislative changes, all meant to improve housing standards. And a lot of this has actually come about because of AWEB's law. And this was because a young child died um, due to mould, due to issues in the property, um, in the social housing sector. So a lot of this has been driven by that awful event. But we know that this has been going on for a long time in the industry. This is not something that's quite new that hasn't happened before. This has been going on for quite a number of years, if not even decades. So part of these changes, part of the government guidance is to grant additional powers to the housing ombudsman. And this is going to allow social housing residents to lodge complaints directly. So as soon as you hear that, that means we're going to look at a lot of compliance, a lot of oversight, and we're going to need a lot of evidence. And this also then falls into what we're doing with the decent home standards, where it's going to include the private rented sector. Now, at the moment, those standards are still being looked at. They're still in consultation, but they're expected to be delivered or at least finalised by the end of autumn stroke winter. So we're probably looking at maybe the end of this year, probably up to March 2024. 
And what these are going to do is going to establish some professional standards for both senior housing staff and also management qualifications for those housing staff, which will then come into the private rented sector. Um, and it, this also means that, again, private tenants are going to be having access to an ombudsman for unresolved complaints. So again, we're looking at more compliance, more evidence and showing due process. And one of the key things is, is the fact that lifestyle won't be able to be used as an excuse, and I put that in inverted commas, um, by landlords, by agents, uh, in regards to why there's mould in the property. Now, we know from um, an industry point of view that lifestyle does have an impact, but what the government is saying, what the advice is saying, is you can't use it as the main cause, the main reason. You've got to look at it. You've got to investigate it. So understanding mould and damp, so I thought it'd be really useful just to kind of understand what that actually is and the different types, because sometimes we look at mould and damp in very much two words and two meanings, but there's not, there's quite a few nuances within that. So as you can see here, mould is a type of fungus which grows in moist environments and can cause adverse health effects as well as damage to buildings, and that's part and parcel for what the government are talking about in regards to AWEB's law. Condensation damp, so that's indoor moisture condensing on colder surfaces, and these are common on windows, corners, and behind furniture. And these are the kind of things we see with, like, with the dripping of the uh, window, or we see some collective mold and discoloration um, behind furniture where there's no airflow. You've got penetrating damp. So this is where water enters from outside due to structural defects. And this is something that Michaela is gonna be talking about in a few slides. Um, uh, time because that is something that she's definitely uh, looking at in regards to how you manage uh, properties and making sure that you're aware and you're keeping on top of these kind of issues rather than waiting for them to develop and then having to deal with them um, after they've caused the problems. Then you've got rising damp. So this is where it comes up from the ground and it's typically on older buildings and often um, due to faulty damp proofing. So damp proofing is often the black kind of like um, solid kind of uh, felting or plastic that you kind of see about one or two quarters of the um, brick of the outside building going up. Sometimes you can't see that because uh, you've got planting in a way or because maybe the building hasn't actually been built to the right specifications. But certainly in older buildings, you get that more because damp uh, proofing wasn't necessarily always used or used in the right way. And then you've got traumatic damp. So this is where you um, have uh, experienced call, uh, leaks caused by external factors like flooding. We're getting a lot of that in the industry at the moment in regards to um, climate change, and we're seeing more and more uh, properties and areas and regions having to suffer from traumatic damp. Um, this obviously is something I would say is beyond our remit, certainly as suppliers and maybe as agents and landlords. This is where you have to go over to your specialists in this area, but it's good to know what this looks like. So, concentrating mainly on mould because that's kind of like what we have to deal with mostly within the private and the social sector. This is generally caused by excess moisture, humidity and lack of ventilation in a property. And it tends to be more common in winter when the inside temperature of a house is lower than the outside. Um, so you've got indoor air, which is warm, and that contains moisture because when you think about it, when we breathe out, when we are actively in the property, and even if we're sitting or we're doing or we're active, we're all exhaling um, moisture. 
and this contributes to what the humidity and the moisture content in the property um, is like. And when it comes into contact with cold surfaces like walls or windows, you get condensation. So you can see the moisture actually on the surface, the glass, the window, around the window areas, or actually dripping on the walls, depending obviously how severe it is. And that basically allows mold to thrive. It gives the food the elements that it needs to be able to form and proliferate. Interestingly, the reason Arab's laws comes back is because of social housing and the mold issues within that. But as you can see from um, what we're showing you here in this slide, um, the English House Survey of 2021 actually showed that out of 904,000 properties, 4% of those um, that had mold issues. But if you look, 11% is actually within the private sector. So we've actually got a bigger problem than the social housing sector, but that's what's driving AWIB's law and driving the current government legislation and information and what's going to be feeding into the decent home standards. And as you can see here, it's not just about social housing and private rental. You can also see an issue within the owner-occupied area of 2%. So we do have an issue, but it doesn't mean it's not um, able to be dealt with or insurmountable. So breaking a mould, how do we do that? The key things here is you need certain elements to be able to create that mould. So what we've got to do is we've got to break that, we've got to take that apart. So we've got to remove the um, issues regards to moisture, temperature and also ventilation. So there are several ways which Michaela is going to be taking you through to be able to combat that. But a lot of it is also down to ventilation, making sure you've got good airflow, to make sure that you're heating the actual property to the right temperature. Again, we know that's very, very difficult in regards to a current uh, ha uh, living crisis, the, the, how much heating, et cetera, costs. And obviously, we, as we go into winter, those bills are going to come up. Um, and if a tenant has got the hasn't got the ability to pay for those bills they're going to heat their homes they're not going to be then wanting to ventilate those homes purely because obviously that's going to be heat loss that's going to be cost and that's something that they can't necessarily always manage so we've got to look to see how we can break those molds um, from a point of view making sure the houses are heated properly giving the right tools the right information to the tenant allowing them to uh, ventilate the property in regards to the actual windows uh, using the trickle vents or making sure they at least uh, ventilate and understand what that actually means and then bringing those moisture levels down by using other methods which again Michaela will take you through so we can break though that particular chain and another thing that we can certainly do is make sure that we keep on top of this make sure that we give um, both ourselves our agents our landlords and the tenants the right tools to be able to both say about the mold what's happening and also keep on top of any remedial actions that we're taking. So from inventory-based point of view, we've got three flexible property inspection options. You've got self-service, so you can give a tenant their uh, 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 template so that they can actually record and capture the information of what's going on in the property, especially if you've taken some remedial actions and then you want to monitor that as you go along. You can be able to see exactly how the um, issue is going um, and being managed. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Is it being resolved? Or does it need uh, more intervention? You've also got 
the option of live inspection. So the property manager, the landlord can be um, not in the property, but talking to the tenant whilst they're in the property, going around, taking pictures, creating a uh, template of information, and also then creating the actions maybe to go out to a subcontractor, to a specialist to be able to deal with that. And if you need an in-person visit, then you've got the app to be able to actually go to the property and again, capture that information and create tasks and actions to be able to manage it. Because one thing I think we need to remember is that we've all got very busy lives. Not everybody can be in at a certain time. Not everybody can wait around. Not everybody will want to report things at a convenient time between nine and five o'clock on a Monday to Friday. So having the option to be able to go through self-service, go through live inspections in person, or go back towards that. So you've done the in-person visit. Now you just want to monitor. Now you can give them self-service, or you can go back to live inspections to be able to see exactly what's going on. It gives you flexibility as a property manager, as the agent, as a landlord, but also the supplier, but also, and, and more importantly, the tenant, because they're the ones that are potentially raising the um, claim. They're the one that's raising the complaint. And the ombudsman will want to see what have you done? How have you helped? How flexible, flexible have you been? And what can you do to um, actually help resolve the issue? So this is why I'm going to um, hand over to Michaela. He's going to take you through his practical strategies in regards to education, advice and inspections on managing mould and also the, managing the property itself. So Michaela, over to you. Thank you and a good morning to everyone. Um, so what I usually do with my um, tenants, um, I usually send them out a fact sheet uh, during probably around September. Uh, they're just going out at the moment. So on that fact sheet, it talks about heating, how important ventilation is, how it's important to keep the property um, heated. And part of my advice to tenants, although I know we're having problems with um, the cost of living, uh, an environmental officer once told me that the best way to keep a property um, without too much condensation, etc., is to keep it at a steady temperature for the whole day. So the best way for tenants to ensure that they keep the property at a good temperature is to actually have the heating on all the time with a thermostat that turns it off when it gets to a certain heat around between 19 and 21 degrees is ideal. So we always advise tenants um, that if they've got mould, to let us know as soon as possible so that we can get the issue sorted out. Because um, years ago, we used to say, oh, well, you know, it, it's, uh, it's to do with ventilation and condensation. But actually, sometimes it can be that there is a structural problem, there is something going on in the property, and that really needs an inspection and not to be left. So we always advise tenants to use anti-mould spray. Um, and I do find that sometimes they don't use it. But when I do an inspection, if I go around there and show them how to use it and the fact that you don't need to do any cleaning with the particular one that I used, um, it seemed to do the trick because uh, as long as I give them a free bottle of it, uh, they cost about 350. Uh, usually last the whole winter and we don't really have much problem with uh, with the mould. Uh, 
um, unless there's a defect. So these are the three products that I recommend. Um, I recommend the anti-mold paint additive to the landlords. And I recommend that they paint the entire property in white paint and use the anti-mold paint additive. Uh, why I choose white is because it's easier to redecorate, but you can use that, that product in any color. So that makes it more versatile. Um, and that stuff does work. It lasts for about seven to 10 years in properties that are really, really suffering and prone to um, mold. So the Aero 360, I use this for my tenants that are on a very tight budget who are struggling who i know are not going to use um who are not going to use a, a, a um a electric dehumidifier so this doesn't need any electric it costs about 12 pounds i think and the refills are quite cheap so this actually combats quite a lot of condensation and it's pretty good if the property has a really, really serious issue, then uh, positive uh, input vents are actually a much better buy, but they are very expensive, but usually help to combat the problem. And at the end here, we have my Dettol Mold and Mildew Remover. I absolutely love this product. Anywhere you have black mold, um, including sealant around the bath, just spray this on and leave it for an hour and it's gone everywhere it's absolutely fantastic stuff i've been using it for about 20 years and uh it's the only one that actually really works does grout does everywhere just gets rid of all mold so it's really good so those are the products that are quite cheap i mean nothing is over 15 pounds or or so so that it, it's it's something that I even do in my business, um, provide it for free, just so that I've got peace of mind. And if a tenant is still having problems with the mould and we can't find a structural issue, then we have to carry on surveying to find out what's going on. Because with these products, you shouldn't really have any more problems with mould. So when you're looking at the structure, of the of the property one important thing is to check the gutters the front and back because a lot of issues that i've had with bedrooms where the bedrooms are having uh mold uh especially at the top of the room a lot of people um say oh no it's um it, it must be the condensation you're not opening the windows actually if it's at the front of the property or the back of the property on that flank wall where the um, gutters are and you don't know what it is that's causing it it can be that it can also be the loft insulation is not working properly and that can be another issue as well so you're having cold spots where the um the heat is is hitting the wall and that can also be a problem there's another thing to also check is the um, mortar on the outside of the building. If the mortar is uh, crumbly, that can also let in uh, penetrating water. So it's always good to check the walls for wet patches 
And ones that are particularly concerning are uh, very wet patches uh, scattered on a wall or just one wet patch or a wet patch on the uh, ground, so uh, just above the skirting board, that usually indicates that there is rising damp. And normally if there's rising damp, the plaster will also start to be blown. So you, when you knock it, you can actually hear a hollow sound that you know there's something going on inside there. Um, now, another thing which I have had recently is a drop in the boiler pressure, a constant drop in the boiler pressure and mold in the property can indicate that water is actually leaking from the boiler, um, the radiator system. So somewhere the pipework has a leak. Now it's not always obvious because if it's on the ground floor, it could be running underneath the floorboards and you wouldn't see it. And I had this in a property um, which has recently undergone refurbishment and the whole of the floor um, in the kitchen was rotten because one of the radiator pipes had been leaking for a long time and no one could find out why the system was losing pressure. And I have the same issue now in another property which has just been vacated by the tenant. Um, they were asked to leave because we needed to find out where this leak was and it's actually in the wall. So one of the pipes is going up the wall and that's where the leak is, the wall is wet. So seals around the bath, you can get small gaps that can let water penetrate through them and they can be running down, not necessarily visible on the ceiling, they can be running down a cavity wall, they can still cause um, mold and damp problems. And then you have um, toilet overflows, they run outside and the pipe, um, if it's not one of the really modern toilets, you can get the pipe running down the wall, the water runs down the wall, that can also cause dampness and mould issues. Um, another one is roof tiles that are missing, so especially the ridge tiles, or there could be a gap in the cement in the ridge tiles and water is going through to the roof, but not actually coming through the ceiling, um, unless it's really bad um, and that can also cause mold problems um, and then as I just said leaks on radiator pipes also check under um, the sinks um, and baths and toilets for any leaks around the seals and things like that because all that extra water um, goes into the atmosphere and that causes condensation and it also causes damage to the fabric of the building as well so that's, um, that's all that I can say about structure. Um, just one other thing, uh, make sure that the trickle vents are open. Um, a, lot of a lot of tenants don't open them because of drafts. And also you get uh, ventilators on the, on the wall and tenants sometimes do cover them with paper um to seal out any drafts but they're actually there for a reason uh, because the property needs to get ventilation so um going on to redecoration um the problem with properties that are painted in anti-mold paint if they are painted over again 
the anti-mould uh, inhibitor will not work. So it's imperative that tenants are asked not to redecorate any property that's been um, painted with anti-mould paint. And, and just um, also uh, wallpaper, if you have a property that is prone to condensation and, and mould, it's best to strip the wallpaper off the walls because mould tends to grow more rapidly on wallpapered walls. So that's just an extra tip. So my top tips to um, help you with your property management regarding mould is from September to October, that is where you start to identify properties with the problem mould. Um, October, really towards the end, is the best time um, when the weather is really cold. Um, what I do do is, because I have so many properties to manage, I actually um, speak to the tenants around this time and ask them if they've had any problems with moulds recently and if there's anything I can help them with before we do the inspection so that we know where we can identify those properties that need urgent, um, urgent inspections rather than doing everybody in one go uh, to, to and those properties that have been uh, in the past having problems with mould, they are the ones that we actually survey first. So if you tackle the mould issue early and monitor it monthly, once it's been brought to your attention, it usually does a trick. And if the issue um, doesn't go away with, with mould uh, spray. I mean, I have a tenant that had a mould issue for months and months and the, the, the inventory clerk kept going back out. And eventually, after two years of complaints, I went there myself and it was at that point I decided to do an annual check for everyone. And I went to see her and I gave her the spray and I said to her, well, hopefully this will do the trick. But in my mind, I was thinking maybe this is a structural thing because it's been going on for so long. Um, and I contacted her a month later and I said to her, how's the mould? She said, oh, it's all gone. I haven't had a problem since. And I, and I keep on uh, just getting that confirmation from her as evidence that we have dealt with the issue. So sometimes it, the Dettol spray can be the only um, cure that is needed for the mould problem. I'm not saying it is the be all and end all though, because if it doesn't work, then you need to start looking at what's happening in the property. So if you have to get any work done, especially leaks, get them done promptly. And I mean promptly like tomorrow, um, because don't delay with that. The more water penetration there is, the longer it takes for the property to dry out and the more chance you've got of a serious mould uh, problem. So and fix, you know, fix the leaks as as soon as you can. And anything like gutters and things like that need to be dealt with straight away. Keep in contact with the tenant. And and it's a good it's a good thing. It's a good practice, to be honest, in between um, in between your inspections to just send a message to the tenant and say, is everything OK? Have you got any mould? Have you got any problems? And then that way 
it shows that you are, you know, you are working with them, you are collaborating with them. And also it helped you to find problems before they escalate out of control. So the main thing is, is to keep water um, to a minimum. So it would be basically just living there. I always ask tenants not to dry clothes on radiators because that's one of the biggest causes of condensation in the home. Keep uh, pan lids on. That's another thing that um, people cook without the, the pan lid on, potatoes, rice, things like that. And all that steam goes into the atmosphere. So it's a good idea to ask tenants to keep the pan lids on. Um, and also close bathroom doors when they're having a bath or shower. Just these little things make a lot of difference. Keeping the property at constant temperature, even if it's low, is better than blasting heat, turning it off, turning it on. And opening windows for even five minutes a day makes a lot of difference to a property and allowing that ventilation to come in. Wonderful. Um, I mean, they're great uh, top tips and certainly some of the tips that we ourselves as inventory providers um, advise uh, tenants. But obviously the main uh, advice should always be coming from uh, the landlord and from the managing agent. And it's not insurmountable um, to be able to combat mould, but it, we definitely need to make sure that we are actively doing that. And as Michaela said, keeping on top of it, keeping on top of uh, the issues, managing them correctly, using the tools, using the software to be able to keep an eye on what's going on in the property, having your regular visits. And said, if you can't do them in person, then you know you've already got options in regards to uh, self-service templates and also live inspections. And I think certainly key from the legislation point of view is as we come up towards um, the decent home standards changes and understand more of exactly what the government are going to be looking at, the fact that we're going to have this ombudsman, the fact we're going to have this oversight, the fact that we are going to be looked at much more closely as an industry means we're going to have to have the evidence for that. We're going to have to ensure that we are, as Michaela said, talking to the tents, liaising with them, getting the issues sorted and finding out what the root causes are, which is why, again, we can't use lifestyle as a the key excuse. We've got to find out what the issues are. And if it is lifestyle, then we educate the tenants accordingly. Um, but we've got to make sure that we understand and know that. And the key thing is to document it, to make sure we've got the evidence, to make sure that should there be a problem, should we have to go to the ombudsman, should that go further, should it go to environmental health officers, we have everything that we need to be able to um, showcase what it is we've done, what actions we've taken, and also what interactions we've had with the tenant. And that way then we can bring those statistics down and we can make sure that we don't ever have another uh, situation that would mean another young child or an adult would um, unfortunately become uh, a statistic in regards to how a property is managed by the landlord or the agent. I hope everybody's found that really uh, useful um, and enjoyable. Um, is there any questions, Kelsey, for us? Hi, um, thank you for doing the webinar. Um, there is a few questions. A few people have asked about if the webinar, uh, question, like the questions you've given out in the talk is available on a fact sheet. 
Yep, we're going to organise a fact sheet between myself and Michaela. So we'll put the slides in and then we'll create a, like a PDF fact sheet of that information going forward. And then we'll um, give uh, send that over to you, Kelsey, to give out to all the attendees. Okay, thank you. Um, we do have a question here. How do you deal with a situation where there is no structural defects, but the problem persists and tenants are not following advice? Michaela, do you want to answer that? Yes, so um, it is a tricky one, um, but what I have found is that if I give advice over the phone, send things by email, and they're not actually carried out, and every time we do an inspection, it's the same thing. I, I honestly believe that the visit makes a lot of difference. You as the property manager actually going to visit and speaking to the tenant and just and, and actually demonstrating the product um, or or how to use something um, because I learned this from the environmental officer he actually when he used to go to the tenants and he would um, say to them well you know um, yes some of this is it, you know, there might be a defect here but also your lifestyle is not helping because you need to keep your heating on or you need to do this you need, and most tenants are quite they're quite um you know that they can accept that and they and they they will work with you if you genuinely look as if you care sort of thing so i think that does work but you may have a problem with someone who just doesn't want to do this would rather report this as a damp and mold problem because we do get some difficult tenants who really just want to prove that this is uh, uh, an issue that the landlord's making them ill and that type of thing so we do get that and i think what you have to do with that is you have to make sure you have evidence everything and you have your inventories you have your um, midterm inspections and if you can't get access to the property, like Sean said, there is a self-serve thing, which is very, very useful, especially for those tenants who say that they're not well or they've got something wrong and they can't let you in. This is one way of doing it. Um, and all of that is important evidence that you can use to show that you are proactively managing the property. And I think that's the key issue, isn't it? That you can actually evidence that everything has been done to cooperate, to help, to educate, to advise um, the tenant. And basically, if all of those elements have been exhausted and the tenant still got that problem, then certainly from an ombudsman point of view, certainly from um, anybody looking in, say, environmental health officers, can see that the agent, the landlord, have done absolutely everything within their power. Um, but there, there's there's a key preventative issue here and that will necessarily be um, the tenants so it takes away the risk from the agent it takes a risk away from the landlord in regards to whether they're managing that tenant uh, sorry that tenancy correctly and that making sure that their tenants are safe and that's the key thing because the government is now looking to see what are we doing as an industry to keep our tenants safe um, so yeah. by doing having all these evidence options these phone calls Sending, sending out self-service, um, giving the options of live inspection or in-person, you're basically giving the tenant every opportunity to work with you. 
If they then choose not to, then that is going to be very clearly evident. We also have another question. How do you deal with tenants who won't heat or ventilate the property properly, possibly due to financial concerns? Yes, that's a tricky one. Um, it does depend on um, it does depend on the landlord as well. And why I say that is because during um, during the uh, crisis, um, we tried not to put and I'm talking about the um, cost of living, you know, the fuel um, crisis. We tried not to put the rent up um, and I did advise the landlords not to put the rent up during this period because it would make a difference to people's budgets and they wouldn't be able to uh, afford the heating. So that's one of the one of the things that we um, you we would say to the tenants, um, you know, we we haven't put the heat we haven't put the the rent up this year, um, but you know you're going to need to heat the property. Um, it is an issue, and there isn't really very much we can do about it as long as the boiler is working properly and the boiler has the correct controls, and the tenant has a source of uh, energy supply there isn't really much an agent can do to force a tenant to heat the property and i will say that last year i had somebody with an open fire who uh took the uh panel off and was burning furniture in the fire because they couldn't afford to pay for their gas and these are quite disturbing things that you know are quite upsetting that people have no money so they get to the point where they have to start burning furniture in open fires which is actually illegal by the way but um they didn't even know that so um you can't force a tenant to heat the property you can only advise them and as i say you can only just um ventilation's the same thing uh i think that agents should be aware that if the property doesn't have any trickle vents in it you might want to advise the landlord to get some trickle vents put in because during the winter people don't like opening their windows but they wouldn't mind just a little bit of draft coming in through a trickle vent if they don't have one they don't have that option if they're given that option and they don't use it then that's a different story altogether and I think just to add to that as well, there are a lot of charities, advice and guidance available. And I think certainly from uh, an agent point of view that I know a lot of agents actually already give that out as part and parcel of when they're building up towards the winter as to the different charities, the different advice and guidance they can get to be able to get advice, get some help, get some understanding in regards to what else they can do in regards to paying their actual bills and any relief they can get including grants but obviously we've also got then grants for landlords to be able to utilize to be able to bring their properties up to a better specification in regards to how they um, uh, retain heat um, bring their epc rating up even though i know there's been land uh, changes literally in the last day in regards to what that's going to be required from the industry from landlords but there's still grants out there to help build bring that building up to a better um, level of yeah. uh, heating and uh, making sure that it's the best it can be in regards to how tents can then manage their bills if they're not losing loads of heat 
um, out of you know roofs that are not uh, lagged that haven't got loft insulation or you know they're poor, poorly ventilated so there's there is other options in this so I think if, if uh, agents can give that on a regular basis as part of uh, what Michaela said that run up towards um, the winter so from September October time start giving that advice and guidance as she does then that will really help uh, tenants be able to manage and manage budgets as well And we do also have one last question um, mixed in with all the positive feedback. So I will get this over to you, um, Sean and Michaela, to go through. Uh, one last question is, um, you can suggest a tenant can approach their utility provider to see if there's any re assistance, re-cost of fuel. A number of yeah. councils do have a section on their website if anyone is suggesting, if anyone is struggling with the cost of living. Uh, which is a good thing for everyone to know. Yeah, that's great advice. And yeah, yeah definitely, definitely right. There is so much out there that can be accessed. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, Citizens Advice Bureau are really good for that um, in regards to pointing people in the right direction. But utility companies are actively trying to support their users as well. So it's really a case of going and having a look and seeing and uh, you know accessing these different um, options to find out where you can get help. But I think certainly as agents and suppliers and landlords, we, we can also help um, point them in the right direction as well. Okay, uh, thank you everyone for joining this webinar um, with Sean and Michaela from Inventory Base. Lovely, okay. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Inventory Professional Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe to our podcast now and share the love. This podcast was brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports.